up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by uh, It's Your Boy, Bo. It's Your Boy, Joey. And It's Your Boy, Brady, with a special guest, probably by It's Your Boy, Augie. So, uh, we're getting back into reading some some comic books this week, boys. How you feeling about that, and how you feeling in general? It was great to mix things up. I like that we're actually reading some comics again. It feels like the good old days. Mm-hmm. I will say I took the entire time to read this. I think I spaced this out perfectly over the last four weeks that we have had to read this, and the my memory of the beginning of this story is suffering for that. <laughs> my memory of the middle and end is also suffering, because I read this like right off the rip, and I've read several things since then. <laughs> so we might be talking about three of the other events that I've read, too, just by accident. <laughs> well, I... Uh... I did this thing where I, I knew that we were taking a little bit of a break, so I started it back a while ago and then finished it up this week, and it has definitely helped me, because I did have to go back and read the stuff that I started with, so. I definitely drunkenly read two of these issues at a bachelor party as well, so. <laughs> Let's go. I was just drunk and, and bored, so I pulled them up and I was reading them. I love that. Well, I will say, Speaking I... Of- I- really enjoyed this one like as an event um and i was gonna say speaking of uh, drunkenly last night was our our fantasy draft so all of us are having having a good time besides Bo, who didn't get first pick and spent the night uh drinking water but uh (laughs) but uh joey and i are feeling great the day after so Yes, Bo either lost or won our annual game of shot roulette, depending on what you deem winning, um, to determine determine the draft order. And yes, we we the rest of us pounded five six shots in a row. So yes, feeling amazing as Brady mentioned. Um, I did before we get into the comics, boys. The show on Disney Plus that I have been looking forward to the most for probably the last year came out this week did you guys watch both episodes of ahsoka yet brady i know you were in the process of finishing episode two yep and i did finish it uh what are your thoughts mr uh i was in looking forward to it i tried extremely hard to manage my expectations going in because i did this with every other show that's come out especially secret invasion and i feel like my high expectations made the show worse um but no i i enjoyed what we got i'm interested to see where it goes i love seeing the rebels crew in live action but i gotta say hera not 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 my favorite live action um look it looks like someone doing cosplay of a uh what what is hera a a togruta is that what they are is it the togruta isn't that ahsoka Oh yeah, you're right. Um, I think she's a Twi'lek, right? Twi'lek, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it does look it does look a little a little iffy. I I thought the same thing, and maybe it's I blamed it on maybe it's because I watched Rebels and was like, you know, seeing the cartoon in it. But I did thoroughly I I I did enjoy it. I've been enjoying it. I think that because uh, I didn't get to see all of Rebels like you guys both have. I've I've started it a couple times, and like most of the Star Wars animated stuff. I end up I end up uh phasing out a little bit, but I did I have been enjoying Ahsoka. I have well, tempered expectations as well because 
just like you, Joey, same with Secret Invasion. I was looking forward to it, looking forward to it, and I feel like it's it's okay. And uh, I didn't want that to happen with Ahsoka. I wanted to think that it's going to be okay and then see what happens. I loved it. I feel like, because I don't have like a huge tie to any of these characters, and I I know some of them, but just like knowing of them. I haven't watched Rebels. I watched like three oh. episodes of Clone Wars, and that was it. So I've seen like the first day of Clone Wars, never watched Rebels. So I'm going in, and my thing is after I watch episodes, like I follow so many pages online that like it shows me like, oh, this is an Easter egg to this, or this is the tie into this. So I saw like the live action and the animated like direct comparisons, and I'm like, oh, this is spot on. But I don't have like a, oh, they're not doing this character justice because of what I'm used to. So everything's brand new to me, except for like, obviously, I know the majority of like the gist of Ahsoka and her background. Um, so actually, Disney Plus, the, what I was going back and watching has a full section right now. If you go down to like the recommended and there's like the most important tales of Ahsoka. And it was episodes of Clone Wars, Rebels, um, the one animated Jedi series that just came out that had like Tale, Tales of the Jedi, I think. That and then a couple episodes of like Mandalorian and Boba Fett. So I was like definitely going through and watching that. So that's what I'm watching now, and that's giving me some pretty cool tie-ins for sure. But yeah, I, I I love what I've seen as far as like at least like the portrayals of it. I I disagree. I think that they did the costumes pretty cool. Uh, I'm interested to see if they bring Zeb back, and I want to see if. If you guys didn't watch Rebels, you don't know. Did Brady? You you said you watched the beginning. Have you ever watched the finale of Rebels? I have not. I would say, I would almost say that may be required watching for this show. Oh. Like, I would say if you're gonna go back and watch one episode of something, make it the finale of Rebels because that's putting you at like where Ezra and Thrawn disappear and you know what they're talking about this whole time. Um, but you also learn Hera has a kid with a Jedi, um, Kanan, and Hera had a kid. Kanan's dead, but uh, R.I.P. But I want to know where this kid is, because he has not popped up anywhere in Star Wars after Rebels, and he's the kid of a Jedi and, and Hera. So like he's got to be around there somewhere. He's probably like 15 years old at this point in this show. I'm I was curious gonna say, if they wait, bring him in. What's the time frame of this compared to that finale? So this is about... Five years after um, Return of the Jedi, which is like five years after A New Hope, which is like five years after Rebels. So it's about 15 years or so. Gets out calculator. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. It's one of those things like with the MCU where it's like, I'm really interested to see how, how uh, Lucasfilm does it, what they do next, how they... Uh, how they approach bringing these known characters and loved characters in. I will say I haven't seen too much backlash, which is a good sign. People aren't super upset about the display of the characters from what I've read. So, well, let's uh, do this because I haven't seen any castings or anything, so I don't know. And if I am, just poop on me real quick. Um, that sounded way too vulgar to actually coming out of my mouth. <laughs> just tried to not say the other word. But um, as far as like predictions, I'm assuming what this is going to be fully based around is going to lead up. First off, eight episodes. So that's cool. It's not like a six and done. I, I enjoy a good eight episodes, especially since we've already got two out of the way. But is Ezra actually alive? Do we see him live action casted in this season? Didn't they show him right. the hologram? 
they did show him with a hologram. Yeah. Was was that a real person or was that just like a CGI'd real version of a cartoon character? I don't know. I couldn't tell. Um, I do think, I think we see some sort of live action version of Ezra in this show. However, I think it comes in some sort of flashback and we do not see him in present day in this show. Okay, let me clarify my question again. Is Ezra alive? Yes, but I don't think they find him in this season. Okay, I feel like so that's going to be like the tease for the next season. Got it. Okay, cool. I like that. I like that. I can deal with that. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think they could go places with it, so I'm excited to see what they do. Second, second prediction, and then we'll hop into some Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. Do we see at some point in this season both Ahsoka and Bo-Katan in, in the same vicinity? No, I, I don't think we get Bo-Katan at all. But do we get the tie-in that's already happened with Grogu? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like they're going to leave the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett alone and they're they're just gonna do their own thing i will say in the in the most important episodes according to disney plus uh two maybe even three of those had both ahsoka and bo katan together on an adventure so she she was definitely highlighted as a character in ahsoka's journey i would be very interested to see the reunion of bo katan and sabine because as two people that have not watched all of rebels Bo-Katan is, there's, you know, in Mandalorian, there's this big, big hubbub about how she didn't earn the, the Darksaber, you know, it was given to her. Sabine is the one that gave her the Darksaber. Sabine is a past wielder of the Darksaber. And um, she just flat out gave it to Bo. That's too cool. Yeah, the three of them together, kind of like Master, Apprentice, and then former Mandos. That's... Mm-hmm. I do I also like, like I like that they are not making her a force user, even though she's an apprentice of Ahsoka. Which, because I was worried when when they showed her as like an apprentice in the previews, I was like, ah, Sabine's gonna be a force user. Like, did nobody knew it this whole time. She was flying around with two Jedi for years, and nobody <laughs> knew it. Uh, but no, the <laughs> the Jedi droid was like, "You're the worst person with the force that I've ever seen." <laughs> <laughs> and then- Who's this other apprentice? Um, I, I said one more thing, and then we'll get into Marvel. We haven't done that yet. Um, the obviously the dark side version of this. We know the one was a former Jedi because the robot recognized him, or at least the saber. At least um, the one that looks like Sylvie from Loki. Who's she? She's pretty cool. I don't know. I like her. She's she's dope. Agreed. But yeah, I, I have no idea who either of these people are. I'm I'm hoping they're just like wayward Jedi. They're not Sith. They're not anything in particular they're just they're kind of their own thing yeah and i'm i'm excited to see because everybody knows my favorite uh star wars character of all time is darth vader i was getting big darth vader guys from the big burly bearded man and i'm excited to see what they do with him so and was he in rebels at all is this a new character this is a brand new character as far as i'm aware they did name him balin is is that his name yeah i believe it was balin yeah, not a name that I was at all familiar with. Although I do love the Ollivander droid that, that we get in this. He's 
he is literally Ollivander in Star Wars. It, from a Clone Wars episode, he's the droid that teaches all of the youngling Jedi how to create a lightsaber mm-hmm. and like find their uh, their own kyber crystal and all of that jazz. So he's just Ollivander droid. Oh, let's go. The wand droid. All right, boys. I think it's time. We've talked about Star Wars. I could talk about Star Wars all day, but we got to talk about reading some comic books. So uh, I believe our reading was Fear Itself uh, from 2010. So if you would like to read along before you listen to us talk about it, spoiler alert, go read Fear Itself 1 through 7. There is a 7.1 and 7.2 that is optional, uh, but it was a... uh, a great read. Uh, so then I'll hand it off to Joey to talk about uh, talk about it. Seven point one, seven point two, and a seven point three. There were there were three points. Um, but yes, I I hope that if you would like to read along, you've paused the podcast and read those issues. Um, and I hope Augie's doing okay. What's going on over there, Bo? Are you just like destroying your child's hopes and dreams? He's crying. No, the the backpack. Um was slightly tangled um so it has to be completely straight we're currently dealing with that but um we're gonna we're gonna be okay we're gonna make it through this okay well, i just wanted to make sure august just didn't have the worst experience reading fear itself ever <laughs> not the biggest fan. yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well thank you to wikipedia for writing this plot summary for me so that i didn't have to however we're gonna get into it fear itself boys um we'll split this up maybe uh Maybe do three segments. We'll split up the main main reading in half, and then I'll just do like a bonus for the uh, the seven point one, point two, and point three issues. Uh, I like that. each segment can be one of our uh, main favorite people dying, and then as soon as somebody dies, because everybody dies apparently in this, um, we can go on to the next one. <laughs> All right. So this story takes place following siege and, and following the heroic age, which. Good luck finding that Lost Siege episode, everyone. We recorded it. It was the best episode of Comics Over Coffee that has ever been recorded, and we lost the download. So you missed our our recap of Siege, but this story takes place following that. Um, Tony Stark holds a press conference announcing that his his company, Stark Resilient, will help rebuild Asgard in in Broxton, Oklahoma. Um, However, in the meantime, Sin who is the daughter of the Red Skull, travels to Antarctica and finds the Hammer of Scotty. Scotty, I think, is is how I would say that. Were you guys reading that as Scotty or like Skatey or like Scatty? I'm pretty, pretty sure it's Scotty from, from uh, I mythology. Yeah, I, I, definitely some mythology, but good luck. If you plan on reading the rest of those names, I wish you the best, Joey. Oh, I'm going to do my best. All right. Um, the Hammer of Scotty. So she she picks this up and becomes Scotty, Herald of the Serpent. Uh, she then frees the serpent from his underwater prison, after which seven celestial objects fall from the sky around the globe. Um, these are hammers of some kind. And in and, and learning of the serpent's escape, Odin, you know, the king of Asgard, withdraws all of Asgard from Earth against the protests of his son Thor. He just pulls Asgard, which has been hovering around Oklahoma, off planet and is like we're gone we're leaving See you. Um, yes so these seven objects that fell are, are revealed to be divine hammers that contain the essences of the serpent's seven generals known as the worthy uh, coming into contact with these hammers the likes of the juggernaut 
the Hulk, Titania, and Atumna are respectively transformed into the first of these beings. Which, <clears throat> pronunciation uh, apologies ahead. Kurth, breaker of stone. Null, breaker of worlds. Skurn, breaker of men. And Nurkad, breaker of oceans. So along with Scotty, the worthy go on a rampage all over the earth for the serpent. Um, they attack Washington, D.C. They attack the raft, the, the prison outside of New York City. And there are a number of imprisoned superhumans that escape. And um, during the battle in, in D.C., Scotty mortally wounds the current Captain America, which is our boy Bucky Barnes. Um, and they say that nobody stays dead in comics except for Bucky Barnes. But Bucky Barnes has already been brought back to life once. And Bucky Barnes is <laughs> dead again. In Asgard, Odin prepares his people to basically destroy the Earth uh, to completely get rid of the serpent. And, and Thor opposes this and returns to Earth. Um, but you did say, well, we'll take a quick pause after the loss of our first hero. We've lost Captain America, boys. Uh, Odin has withdrawn his troops and basically declared Earth uh, lost. He is like, yeah, you guys are screwed. The only way to stop this serpent is to completely destroy the planet. Um, thoughts on the, the opening of, of Fear Itself? Yeah, so my take on the loss of uh, Bucky was, you know, I like a good Bucky, but I thought there were too many Captain Americas in the world at this point in time. Got, you know, actual Cap. You got Bucky Cap. You got Falcon, who may or may not be a Cap at some point in this. I don't know if he's already been Cap or hasn't been Cap yet, but you got too many Caps in, in here. And, and, and you know, I thought as much as I like Bucky, I thought it was welcome to kind of kind of stop the confusion. But yeah, I will say... Falcon's future Cap. Uh, but yeah, Bucky, love me some Bucky. Hashtag not my Cap. Yep. But I do say... Uh, the way Bucky dies is kind of kind of gruesome from some of the other things you see. I mean, he gets blasted away by uh, uh, Scotty, uh, a.k.a. Uh, uh, Red Skull's daughter. And you see a giant hole in his chest, his his metal arm ripped off like they they they, they killed Bucky hard. It wasn't like, you know, where, where he falls to his death or go, you know, what was it? Hawkeye from uh a few sessions ago where he flies into the, the generator or the propeller and you never see it again. No, it's, it, he gets, he gets brutally dismembered. Uh, that was the big, the big thing for me is it was kind of, it was kind of vulgar what happened to him, but. Straight blasted. We saw that giant hole in his chest for several panels. <laughs> yeah. Which we'll, we'll talk about that giant hole in his chest later on in this storyline when we get a little closer to the end, but uh, yeah, you think Rocket Raccoon was around to grab that arm when it fell off of his body, though? You know Rocket's I would, grabbing that for his stash. I would like to think he would, dude. That's a good, yeah, that's a, that's a great tie-in. I like that. Um, So, yeah, we talk about heroes dying all the time, and we expect mm -hmm. them to die and then come back. That's Marvel Comics. One thing that keeps happening that I did not expect is why does the world's greatest supervillain uh, prison with all of the security constantly have all these breakouts <laughs> like the raft is just forever releasing all the prisoners back to the world again oh they're terrible at holding super prisoners like i feel like the raft is the single most broken into place even though it's supposed to be the most secure place in the world 
Yeah, yeah maybe always. They, they might want to like divide that up a little bit because like you, you just have like everything all at once, all together. It's more than like somebody's gonna break somebody out of there, and then everybody's gonna get released. I mean, that is how we got our new Avengers, though. So I, I can't complain. You would think like they would do something like with the negative zone, though. Wait, hey, everybody's breaking out of the raft. Let's just shove them in the negative zone prison. But... Oh, they tried that. They tried that. <laughs> I will <laughs> say though, I will say though, one of the things, and just because you you brought them up, um, I don't know if this will be spoilers for the rest of the thing, but. I loved all these guys transforming into these like mythology type beings by wielding the weapons. I thought that was sick. And you start seeing them like really early on in the reading and you're like, oh, this is so cool. Hulk getting like, you know, transformed into this bad guy by wielding this weapon. He can't he can't deal with can't deal or become a, a good guy. Can't kind of control it like he was back in the day. You got the thing. You got all these people that are transforming. I was very disappointed with how much they were used and how much they were told about. And that's where when you said there were tie-ins, I'm like, I hope there's some tie-ins about what each of these guys did, deeper story about the how the stuff that they did, and more information about you know what the transformation did to them. So, not just that, but with like the actual side battles with all of them. So, all those yeah. villains got quite a highlight. The Hulks was definitely pretty cool with Noel. Like, that's a that's a I, I know that that continues, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, I'm assuming. But as you, yeah, as, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of Noel, so I would love to see uh. I might, I might have to read up that that side story. Different, no, different, this is a different null. Yeah, N U L null, not K N U L L null. Not the king of black. Still equally dark and brooding, though. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, the whole concept of wielding the hammer and getting the powers was pretty cool. I mean, Mjolnir looks like kind of like C tier at this point. When you see some of these other hammers, yeah, these giant sure. beings basically get the power of Thor by, by wielding these different hammers. And yeah, the Hulk becomes a problem. Um, the, I feel like the juggernaut got dispatched of very easily. Uh, oh. Like a lot of these people were like, yeah, they pick up a hammer and then three pages later they're dispatched of, and I'm sure there's a five issue mini series out there detailing their escapades in the interim. Um, but yeah, I, I, did not realize. I think this was my first experience seeing that Betty Ross became the Red She Hulk. Mm -hmm. This is not a character development that I had any idea of. Oh yeah, it runs in the family now. I'm pretty sure that was because of her dad, like experimenting on her how her genetics would also react, just like his did. So uh, very very cool that there's we've got Hulk, She Hulk. Red Hulk and then Red She Hulk too. That's not confusing at all. And then there's you know the Hulkling as well. And... Oh. <laughs> well, that that's a different thing. But yeah, no, I I like that as far as these hammers go. It wasn't just like any Joe schmo walking by grabbing a hammer. Like they chose like the heavy hitters. Like these big boys were the ones that got it. Like the Hulk, the Thing, the Juggernaut, Titania. Like. That was very, very cool. Greg Gargoyle, who we know ends up being a problem. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure all those tie-ins, like, I I don't know if I'll ever go back and read all of them, but I'm sure there's some pretty cool stories involved. Yeah. And I think for uh, me, I, the, the thing is, like, some of them, like, you, you, you look at it and then it was like, oh, I just uh, 
saw this hammer, so I picked it up. And it's like, what? And then I tell you not to take candy from strangers or pick up hammers that are just lying on the ground? Like, Yeah, the saying somewhere along those lines. Like, don't yeah, pick the same up thing. hammers. <laughs> <laughs> so in the running this week for, I think, douchiest character of the, of the story, uh, Odin just decides to leave and it's like peace you guys are <laughs> are screwed um and then that not being enough he decides that he wants to just wipe out earth just to get rid of this serpent threat um this is not an odin that i was familiar with this this very uh self-satisfying it seems like only cares about asgard doesn't care about the the rest of the nine realms that he's supposed to be in charge of it was interesting I, I do like there was a metaphor that was used later where like basically Iron Man was talking about his approach of doing this, where he's going to be cutting off the finger that's infected to save the rest of the hand. And basically Earth is kind of he's just a, I think we're seeing this side of Odin because he's essentially admitting defeat, which we see a big theme of a lot of people basically saying, look around like we're losing. Like there's there's no stopping this, which kind of just shows the power of everything that's happening. And I really didn't like that. But yeah, at the end of the day, he is just a very selfish God, but he's looking out for his people. And like these people just blindly follow him, which kind of speaks like what he's done too. like even like a lot of Thor's closest allies in Asgard are just like, hey, Thor, like thumbs up. I, I would be doing that, too. But like we're not we're going to stay here because that's what Odin said. Mm hmm. Like, it's 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 Odin. You don't like disobey Odin, but it does go to show how Thor like uh, how much he he believes in uh, people in Midgard as they called it or Earth as we would. It call is cool it. to see uh, kind of like defiance of what he should be doing, like where he should be. His alliance with Earth is really highlighted in this. Yeah, people. You mean those ridiculously attired apes that he dallies about with? That was nice. a. Well, <laughs> screenshot that I had pulled up from from good old old in there old in there. <laughs> Those ones. The the other one that I I had pulled from the very first issue of this run is we did see our boy the Watcher pop up for a brief second. He shows up in most of these tie-ins or in most of these crossovers. But Odin's like, "Hey, you Watcher, <laughs> are you gonna actually do something for once, or are you gonna keep being a dumb baby?" <laughs> and then. Disappears without saying a word. <laughs> Drew Watcher form. He truly did just watch in this one. Kudos uh, mm -hmm. to watch. Yeah. Didn't, Finally didn't kept interfere, his didn't say anything, just... just but the, yeah, the power, the power of Odin is just so many times where, like, one time where Thor was trying to summon, like, Mjolnir, or use Mjolnir, and he's just, like, dropped. And then the hammer sticks, and, like, that was dope. And then the whole point where, like, Tony Stark's trying to build this new Asgard, which, like, is a big theme about all this. And Odin's like, why would we ever rely on these people? I can just speak a new Asgard into existence. And it's like, new Asgard. And then there it is. Like, and the whole battle with that, especially between Odin and Iron Man, which I'm assuming we'll talk a little bit more about later, is very, very cool, where, like... I don't even believe in you. I don't think that you're a thing, yet I'm sitting here witnessing everything that you're doing is, is a cool dynamic for sure. Completely agree. Sure. Should we get into the next uh, the next part here? Yeah, clearly I have it. <laughs> so let's hop. Let's hop. <laughs> All right. So Thor opposes uh, Odin's wishes. He returns to Earth to help out the humans. Steve Rogers again assumes the mantle of Captain America with Bucky being dead. 
Thor confronts the serpent, who reveals himself to be Odin's brother. <gasps> so, family connection. Uh, he claims to be the rightful bearer of Asgard's throne, and then he pretty easily dispatches of Thor. Uh, Thor then fights against um, Angrier and Null, which are the thing in the Hulk. We get to see Thor take on both the thing and Hulk with their hammers simultaneously. He kills Angrier, who is revived as the thing by by Franklin Richards, who comes out and uses his powers for once. Uh, Franklin Richards, one of the most powerful people in the world, never, ever uses his powers. Um, and then uh, Thor knocks Null halfway around the world, after which Thor collapses from exhaustion. Iron Man requests from Odin the use of his workshop to make weapons to fight the worthy. Uh, so we get Iron Man basically summoning Odin. And Scotty and the Serpent easily repel resistance by Captain America and the Avengers. They break Cap's shield, and they are just devastating New York. Um, and as Thor can, uh, you know, convalesces in Asgard, Odin gives him his own battle armor and the Odin sword Ragnarok for one last suicide mission against the Serpent. Um, Thor has learned that he is basically destined to fall in battle with the Serpent, uh, according to prophecy. And Iron Man and the Dwarves of Svartalheim present eight newly forged weapons, each designed for specific Avengers, which Iron Man doles these out. Uh, and we get basically, you know, all of our Avengers with God level powers, with, you know, Asgardian technology transforming them, which Brady hinted at earlier. Um, we get to see the most badass Spider-Man suit that has probably ever existed for approximately two panels. Uh, and then it's gone forever. <laughs> but um, we get we get the you know the all out battle against everyone. Um, the they confront the serpents forces and are joined by people from Broxton, Oklahoma. Cap who wields Mjolnir, as we see in Endgame, he picks up the hammer, proving that he is worthy. Um, and then you know they the worthy that were wielding the other hammers are vanquished from their hosts. When Odin summons their hammers away. Um, could have started with that move, I suppose, Odin. But thanks for coming in and doing that later. Um, Thor and Bucky are, are mourned by their allies. And Odin returns to Asgard with the corpse of his brother, Kull, sealing off Asgard. And um, a number of Asgardians uh, who are left on Earth are, are kind of cut off from Asgard. And then the Stark Asgardian weapons are returned to Asgard to be melted, with the exception of the Red She-Hulk, who retains hers. Um, wonder if there's going to be a story coming out of that later from Marvel. <laughs> and Iron Man presents Rogers with his reforged shield, now stronger because it's got Uru-infused enchantments. Um, so we, we end this series. Our heroes are triumphant. However, we have lost, apparently, Thor and Captain America Bucky Barnes. And we mourn these these two fallen heroes to end the, the series. Two big names. That's a... A lot just happened there. <laughs> we we might need to to walk back through that a little bit, but I mean overall. I was also not reading the entire plot summary. I definitely skipped a portion of it because I kept looking up at the two of you and then losing my spot where I was on the phone. <laughs> so I think Thor died, and I didn't really mention that. <laughs> well, spoiler, but yeah, no, I can see how you could be distracted. Look at Brady. Let me just look it up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I overall awesome story the battle segments of this is super cool one of my favorite battles for sure i mean there's the big bad obviously but thor going up against like hulk and thing that goes back to like original marvel where people would like argue about who was the strongest amongst the three 
that was a super cool battle. And then to just see the one swift hammer uppercut of Hulk up into space, he's just like, yeah, my bad. That was hilarious. Yeah, I think I think the big the big uh, surprising thing for me was Thing getting destroyed by Hulk and like just dying, basically almost. And when, yeah, and you, five seconds. One one person we never really talk about is Franklin Richards, and yeah, yeah. like you just just op like powers. Of, we don't even we can't comprehend it. He can create universes, basically just end and create life, and and like just by speaking it or using it into existence. So yeah, things good. He's, he's back alive. He was dead for a very brief period of time, but we weren't going to let Mr. Ben Grimm be gone for long. So no, have you sure. ever, we've talked briefly on this podcast about the sliding timeline of, of Marvel comics where like, you know, 60 years have passed in real life, but only like 15 years have passed in Marvel. And there is a theory out there that, that is caused by Franklin Richards because Marvel, when they were first going in the sixties with the fantastic Four and Spider-Man coming, uh, you know, like Peter Parker graduated high school very quickly. Peter Parker was like going through college, almost done with college. Like they were moving kind of in real time at the time. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, the Reed Richards and, and Sue had their first child that Marvel f- started like slowing that progression. Mm. Um, and so they're pretty sure that Franklin Richards being born into the world using his power realized like things are moving too fast. We need to slow down time. <laughs> and so Franklin Richards is the reason that we've had 60 years of, of Marvel comics when only 10, 15 years have actually passed. I love that. I love that so much. Which is another reason why we really need a good MCU version of the Fantastic Four. All I'm saying here. <laughs> you guys slow down you two a little bit there, Brady? Yep. The Fantastic Four and just, let's take a hold. Well, honestly, they kind of said that. We had like eight upcoming films and movie, like TV shows release, and then they paused like three quarters of those and then said, we're going to start pushing them out slower. And that all happened with the announcement that the Fantastic Four were coming. So maybe maybe that's just the theme there. It could be. And and I think the thing with, with it is, you know, hopefully they're doing it because they want to get it right. Because we've already seen Fantastic Four fail. But let's see if maybe we can get it, get it right this time. I do predict that the mutants will come out swinging, though. Like, they'll release the X-Men and the mutants. And as soon as those hit, like live action films they're just gonna take off there's no way you're gonna slow that down because they have like a hundred billion years of future past presence and alternate universes to keep up on that all mm. the fans or so but no yeah as far as this storyline goes let's reel things back in just a, a little bit um some big uh, kind of i think the coolest thing here is the theme where i know we skipped over one thing between siege and this and that was the heroic age, which was huge. I went back and I read the Avengers. That was basically the heroes doing heroic things. Because we came from the Dark Ages. Uh, we came from Siege, the rise of Norman Osborn, Dark Avengers. And then Marvel was like, I want, I want my heroes back. I want the light, the shining, the good. Let's have the heroes have the rain back up on top. And that was so quickly brought to a halt with this entire event. Where they literally used fear itself 
and uh, all the darkness and stuff that surrounds that to kind of bring everything crashing back down, kill off two of the like the most running people on that the big three team because Steve Rogers wasn't acting like acting as Captain America. Um, I think they kind of realized that like, hey, I think our fans kind of really like that that darkness about our comics, and then swung right back into it. So that's why the heroic age is kind of passed over and and so short lived. I think it was like a year long banner. And that was about it. And then they came back with this event. So I, what, what are your preferences? Do you like the comics like that we originally read? Maybe not necessarily like, in that context, but like the theme of it, of like, oh, this is good. This is light. This is shiny. Or do you enjoy the darker side of things where you lose two people uh, very gruesomely in, in the same comic event? Joe, you want to go first? I... I mean, I appreciate both sides. I I do really like the the darker side uh, of things, and you know, having stakes in our story. You know, we like you said, we lost two very heavy hitters here. Um, however, at the end of the day, I know that it doesn't really mean anything because, like we've said, nothing stays dead in these comics. We we know that these people are going to come back. And we see that by spoilers for the next section. By the end of this, we see that like, they're both going to come back. <laughs> um, however, yeah, I, I, I think I, I do. While I'm in the act of reading, prefer these like darker stories, just because it's a little cooler to see, you know, heroes on the, you know, darker side of things, not necessarily doing what is exactly perfectly right uh they have to make some some questionable decisions from time to time yeah and that's and life I, i'm gonna agree there's some definite t- i i prefer the darker side of, of of it for sure from a reading perspective but there's some times where i just need some good happen good things happening and some some you know avengers assembling coming out of cap you know I well think, I think... It, it, that was another thing i was going to mention is the cap that comes back when they summon him, Bucky dies. Nick Fury goes to him, and they're like, "Yo, Cap, we need you. We need the Avengers. We need the big three leading their teams." And the Cap that comes back in this is not one that we've read yet. Like this, this it almost reminds me. I don't think you guys have read it, but the, like the Ultimate Universe, where like it's like a darker, grittier kind of almost Bucky Cap, where like you've got Cap with a gun. You can cap with several guns in this one. <laughs> I was going to say, have we seen Steve Rogers with guns before? Probably like, back they, in the World War II. Yeah, he told this whole team, like, well, this whole town, essentially, if you leave, leave your guns because I'm going to need them. And my man started blasting. Didn't do much because he was going up against uh, hammer-wielding gods. But, uh, like, he was not, he was shooting to kill. Yeah, yeah, he yep. was, it was scary. Um, but yeah, the, we haven't talked much about the fact that this, you know, you mentioned this is called fear itself. They use fear, uh, the serpent, the big bad of this story basically preys upon the fear of, of the public and, you know, things are, this is kind of reflecting the, 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 I think dark economic times that we are in when this was, uh, first coming out where, you know, there were protests going on. And uh, yeah, it just really uses like the natural fear of humans against themselves. And we see a lot of crazy stuff going on in New York City and in Washington, D.C., to the point where these heroes are basically like we've lost like in, in Cap when in that scene where you said, you know, leave your guns. He gave every hero like, look, this is not great. If you want to go be with your loved ones, go for it. Otherwise, we're fighting to the death. Um 
And we did see him earlier, like two issues before that, give Spider-Man leave to go check on Aunt May. Basically, he's like, yeah, we we are not going to win. So go check on your aunt, please. Like <laughs> it was I think the first time I've ever seen the heroes basically like get, not give up because they were still fighting, but like declare. Yeah, this is over. And yeah. we saw that vision happen like in real time, too, because like like when he first got pulled back up, he's like Spider-Man's like Cap, I, I got to go. I got, I got people I need to go check on them. He's like, I need you here. He's very much in like commander mode. I need my soldiers. And then talking through that, looking around, it came to the realization of like, yeah, you you can go. Um, but that, I mean, again, you kind of just have like this whole, I love reading a comic with like, okay, we've, we've gone against some big bads. I don't see how they're going to make it out of this one. I, I like kind of being in that moment of like, yes, we're reading these in retrospect. We know that everything's going to work out well in the end. But you're just like, ow. And then, like, it kind of takes a lot of creative thinking to kind of reach those decisions from the writers, which I think is very, very cool. That's my favorite part of every crossover event is, like, seeing how they choose to conclude it. Um, and, yeah, the, the deaths being a big part of that. The, we, we get to see, I mean, Iron Man, he gets drunk again. He came from, we came from sober leading heroic age Iron Man to I'm going to take this bottle. He said it was to summon Odin and to basically, like, admit defeat upon himself. But I think he also was just like, we're losing. And then he goes back to the bottle, which is a very, very dark theme. We see Thor in this huge battle against his family, his past, Odin itself, like, and sticking up for what he believes in. We see Cap come in after the loss of his best friend and then just start swinging for the fences. So this is a big three that we're not really used to in a complete swing from where things just were. Um, we see, I mean, Spidey obviously comes back with that amazing suit that you mentioned. Wolverine's there, um, obviously swinging away with his Uru claws as well, too. So some very, very cool stuff happening here. Yeah, and I will say there's two points that I wanted to make off of that. The first one is about the Spider-Man instance. I was actually really disappointed reading that. Because while yes, and, and I think it goes to the point that Cap makes later on, which is probably another spoiler, but um, wait, I'm reading this and I'm like, man, the heroes aren't doing well. And then Spider-Man goes, hey, I got to go check on people. We're, we're losing and I got to make sure like anime is good. And it's like, bro, you're, you're a superhero. You can't just, you can't just leave. Like people need you. You gotta, you gotta go. You gotta go do your thing. Plus, and Good. I, I'll let you get to that second point real quick, but I was ultimately disappointed. He swung around New York three times trying to find mm -hmm. her. Wet fluid. Finds her, and there's like, you're good? Uh, yeah, Peter Peter just wanted me to check on you. I'm out. And then leaves again. I expected like this emotional embrace, probably revealing himself to be Peter. Like, we're all about to die. Let me open up in the, in, like, the end times. And he's just like, okay, you're good. Um, I'm going to go again. <laughs> Like, yeah, it was a very it was very Spider-Man esque of oh oh you're good okay okay I'm good then and then one, gone right one quick counterpoint before you get to your second point I was super proud of Peter Parker in that instance as someone that's read so many different Spider-Man issues of nonstop just going Peter just once don't be Spider-Man like put your family life first for once like just. MJ's gonna get pissed if you go stop that guy speeding down the road and miss another date. So to see him actually like just leave the, the trouble in the streets alone and actually go look for his family and make sure they're okay, it was it was like a breath of fresh air for me as a Spider-Man fan. Well, he has very little family to check on at this point. It was just one and done. <laughs> but yeah, it was cool to kind of see him. I, I agree. That was a cool point. But at the end of the day, like 
That's not why we're reading comics. We, you can check on them on your own time. We're here to watch you beat some bad guys fighting. Right. That was and that was my take. And the second thing goes to uh, goes to like uh, the Iron Man uh, mention where he he says, "Hey, I don't have anything else to take right now. This is my last thing, and it's his sobriety." He literally mentions like this is me on my my verge of breaking and I'm doing it just to get an audience with you. And that's, you know, I don't know if that's what makes Odin do it or Odin's just like was going to give it to him anyways. And that was just, you know, Iron Man, like you said, feeling the end of his, his rope and use his excuse to, to break his sobriety. But that, I think that was one of the most, I mean, we watched Bucky get his arm ripped off. And I think for me, that line was like the hardest hitter was, yeah, I'm giving you everything, including my sobriety that, you know, ever since, ever since, uh, what was the scroll, the scroll invasion when, when he, you know, swore off on it. Yeah. It, it was just a big moment. Yeah. It was this man who basically thrives on his hubris in a very, very humbling moment, which turns into a very, very like BA way to kind of like come back. I, I think two, maybe three. All three of them had very, very awesome interactions with Odin. Because, again, there's this background where Odin can do anything. He appears in a moment. He says one time, like, he's like, how are you here? How are you not down there? Or how are you not on Asgard? He's like, I'm in all these places. Like, a very, very godlike aspect of, like, I'm in all these places at once. But, like, when you see, okay, there's the Iron Man thing that was awesome. We saw Thor get smacked down by Odin, I think twice. When Cap walks up to Odin and is just like, dude. Fix. Thor now. <laughs> well, like, throws his son and then peers behind him. Oh, is this your army? You're going to need more. Like, he's just in warrior mode. And it was like, <laughs> he comes back down to Earth because <laughs> Odin lets him have his peace. He lets him speak it. But then basically just like shoes him all away at a certain point. When they get back down to Earth, Hawkeye was like, yo, that was cool. Like, are you okay? <laughs> Yeah, did you just I, I, trash talk I, I, to Odin? <laughs> I did that. Yeah, and we did Big learn time. in that interaction with Tony and Odin that, that you know Odin does actually kind of respect these people, though. You know, he's um, like I think Tony mentioned something at one point, and Odin was like, "Hey, I'm here talking to you. Like that should show you how much respect I have on your name." and you know how much I I care about the the fact that my son has you know spent all this time with you guys. Yeah, I like that he referred to them as his, uh, my son's warrior brothers. Like that that was cool. Like acknowledging that yes, my like we see that once he's dead too, the love that he has for Thor. He says, "My beautiful boy." It's kind of kind of kind of saddening, but yeah, when he references like Cap and Iron Man, he like acknowledges the the fights that they've been in together. So very very cool moments. Completely agreed. Yeah, one one thing we have not talked about, which is not a huge part of this story at all, but one of the various epilogues that we got in issue seven, um, which was 55 pages, it was a beast with like four epilogues at the end of it. But one of them, we saw the Hulk and Bruce Banner kind of in Bruce's mind, having a battle, like trying to see who's going to take over. And it ends with the Hulk and Bruce Banner, like, separated? Is that true? Is that actually what happens? 
Because it, it just said continued in Incredible Hulk number one on sale next week. And I was like, damn it. I want to know what happens. <laughs> yeah, that Incredible Hulk uh, storyline is like one of like, it's it's said to be one of the best Hulk storylines out there. Because we see a version of the Hulk that we've never seen, which is the Hulk with the absence of Bruce Banner. Which most people say was essentially holding him back. Because yeah, there's the Incredible Hulk and then that ties into the Immortal Hulk, which happens after that. Um, so I, I've never gone and read it. I don't think I've ever read an individual Hulk storyline, except for maybe like a couple tie-in issues. Um, but yeah, to see him basically say, hey, <laughs> you're gone, Bruce. Because Bruce is like, we see angry Bruce. And usually it's the opposite when they have those interactions. But Bruce is in there angry and Hulk's like, nah, you're gone. And then just leaves him there in the desert. And that was, that was cool. Yeah, we just see Hulk like in a meditative pose while Bruce is yelling at him. And he's like, what do you want to be alone? And he's like, that's all I've ever wanted. And then essentially goes off to be even more heroic. He has this goal and he's like, I caused this problem. I'm going to go stop this. Like maybe little wimpy Bruce is holding him the entire time. And it wasn't the opposite. Yeah, I, yeah. May, I may have to read some Incredible Hulk issues. I, I very rarely read any sort of Incredible Hulk comics in my life. And that was the second the second kind of big thing that I was going to talk about after is what or that I wanted to read after. And when, when the tie ends is what happens? So I'm interested. All right, OK, well, and any... then oh, other things um, when we see obviously Thor's dead and basically Spider-Man says, what's going on here? Who is that that basically shows up? And looks like a good old bro Thor. I forget what the name is. Oh, um, yeah, we'll get to this. Uh, any, I, I can go through the 7.1, 7.2, and 7.3 plots real quick if there's nothing else you guys want to talk about in the main run. I think if, it, if there's anything in the main run, it's tied into those three tie-ins. Because that left a lot of cliffhangers for sure. Yeah, so these Agreed. epilogue issues here, we got kind of some surrounding context around some of the events for our three main guys. We got one issue for Captain America, one issue for Thor, and one issue for Iron Man. Um, so in the Captain America 7.1 issue, uh, we see the backstory of what actually happened with Bucky Barnes, which is sh we show Captain America dealing with the loss of Bucky. Uh, it reveals Bucky, in fact, survived as a result of being injected with Nick Fury's Infinity Formula, which, shout out to Nick Fury's Infinity Formula. If there's a thing better than an LMD, it's Nick, Nick Fury's Infinity Formula, <laughs> keeping him alive for like 60 straight years. Um, however, yeah, so they use the rest of that to keep him, keep Bucky alive. Uh, and with the world believing him dead, Bucky returns to his former identity of the Winter Soldier. But we get to see this play out where Black Widow actually kind of knew this was all going on and chose to keep this from Steve Rogers and from everyone, really. Um, and so we see the fallout where Steve learns that, you know, Natasha had had known Bucky was alive and, and kind of manipulated him this entire time, uh, even against Nick Fury's wishes, which was kind of cool. We saw Black Widow kind of leading the charge there. So that was Captain America. In 7.2, we see the, you know, aftermath of the death of Thor. Um, and we see the introduction of his quote unquote replacement as the God of thunder Tenaris. Um, and, and so, you know, we also see Thor's eyes open at the end of that issue showing he's probably also not dead, but yes, Tenaris, the new God of thunder is who uh, Bo mentioned there. 
And then in, in 7.3 with Iron Man, we see Tony Stark's despair over, you know, the still petrified population of Paris, his anger at Odin for not preventing it, and Odin's reaction to Tony's challenge, which, you know, Tony relates to the imprisoned Grey Gargoyle, who was responsible for Paris's fate um, as a member of the Worthy. So we just get kind of more more context on, on Iron Man talking with Odin um, in their conversation. So yeah, tie-ins there, the, uh, the epilogues. Bucky not dead, Thor not dead. However, new God of Thunder. Tenaris, what are our thoughts? Boo. <laughs> and, boo. The whole, and the Marvel community at large said boo. <laughs> yeah, I think Tenaris was like a dwarf or something from Yodelheim or Schleidel. I forget the dwarf's uh, world name. Somethingheim. Good old Somethingheim, my favorite place. But yeah, I would say my favorite of these three, uh, definitely the Captain America one. Definitely seeing Natasha, you know, working in the background, manipulating Steve Rogers. Uh, and we see Steve almost kind of snap at her there towards the end. However, you know, he's happy that Bucky's alive, obviously. In the art, I got very big Secret War vibes from that art of that of that book, Bo. You know, we talked about how that that series that we read way back in like episode one was darker. Not just the art, but just the overall general themes. I feel like whenever Nick Fury's up to shenanigans, they pull in that artist (laughs) and basically (laughs) like, Hey, make this look super cool because people are about to hate my boy, Nick. And yeah, it was a cool time. I mean, I feel like it doesn't show this. I guess it does in the MCU, but I always forget that basically like I think of either like basically Maria Hill or Quake as like, and sometimes Mockingbird too, as like those shield agents that are like Nick Fury's number one, like this is my right-hand man. But Black Widow's always in on the business. Like she's just, and she's probably on like three different sides at once. But yeah, whenever Nick Fury and Black Widow are together, like they're they're five steps ahead of us. We don't know everything going on. Yeah, and I think, I think like you're saying, Black Widow is such a sleeper agent with for lack of a better term, because she's very much uh, either all for the good side or all for the loyal side. And you don't know which Black Widow you're going to get. And that's kind of what's kind of cool about her. So, And I, one of the best lines from Bucky when Nick Fury goes, or, or maybe it's Steve, he says like, hey, your memorial starts in an hour. Are you going to, you plan on attending it? Um, and, and Bucky says, had no, just do me justice and make sure all the girls are crying. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. And I don't know if it needed to go to this extent. I don't know if he needed to die and then really not die and have an LMD and a, a funeral and all that. But it was a very, very cool way to want not just what Nick Fury wanted, but I think what we all wanted was Cap back in uniform holding the shield. Mm-hmm. Because it, this is essentially how it happened in comics. And we all knew that. Bucky had a had a reign at Cap America. We know that Falcon currently has one in comics, but at the end of the day, like you had to work your main guy back in there. And I think this was a very creative way of doing it because he, he's he's all in now, and that's exactly what we needed. Yep, he is Cap. There's no other Cap again. But all right, fear itself. Any last thoughts before we jump into our uh, weekly roundup here? 
Yeah, the uh, as far as the tie-ins go there at the end, uh, the Thor one, probably that was my three of three. Iron Man was two, and then Captain America was the, was the one. Uh, the Iron Man was very, very cool, though. Kind of just, I didn't expect all those people to come back. Like, Grey, Goyle, Grey Gargoyle, basically. Because at the end of the day, like, he was under the control of that hammer as well, too. And then uses his power to kind of undo that spell and bring all those people back to life. Because it was very, like, it's kind of haunting to see. They kept showing that little girl that was basically just dead, frozen in stone with her mom. And I'm like, oh, that's sad. And then there was, like, hundreds of others. And then he does a good thing and lets, lets them all go. And there was some, there was a little light at the end of that tunnel. So that was a cool story, too. But definitely Captain America was my favorite one there. And at the end of the day, like, this, this teed up a lot of cool things into the next couple of events. I feel like this wrapped up some things that maybe people weren't happy with in the previous year of Marvel. And, and then basically set us up for success for some of these upcoming events. But um, basically kind of like the end of a, of a really cool era here. And I, I enjoyed it. It's definitely ranking high for me. Yeah, I liked it. I think... Like I said, my big takeaway that I got is I want more, which is a good sign. But like that, I my only real complaint, which we'll get to in the rankings, I'm sure, is I just wanted more of the the bad guys trans or the good guys transforming into bad guys, the bad guys transforming more, all the transforming stuff. And I'm sure that comes with the tie-ins, but I wanted it in the main story. So, but it's. For me to for me to walk away and go, uh, I just want more. It means it means things went thumbs up. So, well, speaking of where it's going to slot into the rankings, let's let's get into it. Uh, Brady, you want to go first? What? How are you ranking this out of ten? Out of ten. Okay. So, as everybody knows, my ratings are uh, arbitrary and don't mean anything, just like points and whose line it is it, is it anyways. Um, but I will give it a solid 7.8. Um, I liked it more than the other things I've rated 7.5. My only complaint is I wanted more backstory, and maybe if I read all the tie-ins, it would be the best thing known to, to you know, since supply spread. But I think it's I think it was really good. I think it was really good. So I want to give it a solid seven point eight. Okay, I'll I'll go next. I, I don't know if Bo is dealing with something, but I can't see him at the moment. So I'll just jump in here. I will piggyback off of your complaint that you wanted more, and I will add that I wanted a lot more. I thought of the you know series that we've read this one provided us the least amount of context and information in the solo series that we've read. Um, I feel like it, it probably leaned heavily on a lot of those other tie-ins and things that were going on elsewhere. And I was just not understanding anyone's motivation for like, who is the serpent? Why is he doing this? Yeah, sure. Okay. Odin, like, you know, exiled him from Asgard a long time ago, and that's it. That that's all we got. You know, who are the worthy? What are these hammers? Where, where do these people come from? What is going on? Why is Odin being such a douche? Like, who I, is Gamora? Who is why is Gamora? <laughs> um, but no, I just I found myself struggling to enjoy this as I was reading it. And I don't know why uh, necessarily outside of, I just didn't know what was going on or why. Uh, 
And so this was not one of my favorite stories, to be honest. I'm going to give this a five and a half. Oh, whoa, very low. I mean, I, I, I think we, we you know, jump to conclusions hearing five. Five's the average, you know? It's, it, it's not terrible. Um, it's still enjoyable enough, but just not at all my favorite. I respect it. I respect, I respect it. I like, I don't know if it was my favorite, but I liked it. I, but I could see not liking it. What I, you got, I, though? Things that both you guys have said as far as, like, wanting more, specifically the background of it. Uh, to me, the villain, the big bad, and again, we're reading events here, so we're going to get some of this without the background knowledge. I'm sure a lot of this came from the previous year of reading in Heroic Age. There's a lot of background tie-ins of the Red Skull and the Captain America sagas of, of planting that original hammer. Like Red Skull goes and builds this entire base camp around this, hides this from Baron Zemo and all the other people. Like there, There's a lot that they kind of took that was left in Marvel and not finished. And they brought that into this, as well as like the Serpent and the Thor tie-in. So you kind of have to know the big backgrounds of those two. Basically, the World War II era of, of Red Skull, and then the background knowledge of Thor and Odin, which I don't have a lot of personal reading of, so I had to do some YouTube videos. That gave me, even hearing that from like a YouTube perspective, was it gave me a lot more context for this, which makes the story a million times more enjoyable. But as far as the event itself goes... The, the the villains, the, the big bad, the battling, yes, there's a lot going on with the tie-ins. It felt short-lived. And you're not going to get that from an event. You're not going to get the completeness that you want unless you read a full comic run. Um, and we just didn't do that here. So I, it, did, it did feel very skipped over. I do like that there were so many tie-ins available, but I didn't choose to do that. So just reading the event as a whole, which is what we read, um, I, I'm going to go with like, I'm going to go with like an eight. Just because I really like where it left us off. I like the buildup of it. I like kind of the conclusion of what happened. The story itself, like I said, did we have to go that route to get there? I don't know, but I like that we're there now. So I'm going to give it an 8. I'm with that. I, I think I will say I, I, to, your, to, your, to your thing, um, I feel like it. you should be able to uh, have a complete story in a main run. And you think about all the things you should have a, a a good comprehensive story, and then all the other things should be add-ins to enhance the story. And I, that's my only complaint. I don't feel like I got the complete story in this one. But it's the MCU argument, you know. Oh it, gosh, it, don't, don't it, get me started. You can't have a TV show that serves as like an introduction to a movie. It, the show itself needs to be a story. Like you need to be able to sit down and watch something. And get a beginning, middle, and end, and not, you know, need the story, which is my whole thing with the freaking Spider Verse movie. Which Brady, have you watched uh, Across the Spider Verse yet? I have you still not watched Into the Spider Verse? I haven't. You're gonna. I'm ashamed. You got to get on that. But <laughs> you can't just end a movie on it to be continued. In the middle of the action, you have to resolve the plot first, and that was my big issue with Across the Spider Verse. Amazing movie, not a full movie. I, I love the movie as well too, and yeah, it kind of sucks to end that. But I mean, it's kind of like Harry Potter did this, Hunger Games did this. If you go into a movie and part of that movie title is Part One, you know you're getting left without a conclusion. And that's what Spider Verse was. But it was across 
wait, what are we at? We're at into or across? Across. Spider-Verse part one. I feel oh. like Harry Potter still managed to find a good plot. Like the, that first movie, while admittedly boring, they were camping most of the time. Uh, you know, it, it, it found some action with the, the bank robbery. And then, you know, they get out, they get what they needed. Um, you, you know, they finally have the MacGuffins and, and that's the res- resolution. I, I feel like they found a good stopping spot. Whereas across the Spider-Verse, just like, right in the thick of action decided to stop the movie well but you still like we got the spot who came from this uh, we're gonna ruin too much for brady <laughs> i feel like i can't go too deep into it la, 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 la. you you build up the villain <laughs> you build up the team that's gonna attack the villain like you build up kind of like the motivation for the hero i was okay where it ended knowing that i'm going to see the next one if like i just watched this sure that would suck <laughs> <laughs> like you, you never want to end on that but i know that there's more so i was okay with it and same same thing kind of with this this event here like i i know that there's more outside of it and i know that i can go and read that if i wanted to um i'm probably not going to but knowing that that's an option and that the writers did build more into it i gotta give them props for that all right so bo comes in with an eight Brady's at 7.8, and I gave this a solid 5.5. So we are on different uh, ends of the spectrum here. But favorite characters? Who who did we enjoy reading this, this week? I'm going to go first, and I'm just going to go with the basic of it. I mean, I, I have to. Uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, was my guy in this. Uh, we see him from like an area where, like, ugh, I hate. I hate Commander Steve. <laughs> like, he's boring. <laughs> he's, he's even more vanilla than Captain America was. Um, I want my dark, gritty, back-in-action Captain America. We got that, we got that tenfold. So uh, I don't have to do a whole lot of explaining there. Captain America, leader of my Avengers, that's my guy. Okay, and I'm actually going to take a hot take, because I always do, and, and take some weird character in this. But I'm going to say Scotty. Um, as weird as it is, I think she develops, you know, you come in and you, uh, Red Skull is one of my aesthetically favorite bad guys, uh, in the entire, uh, entire Marvel, Marvel realm. Um, I like the Hydra, the Hydra tie-in and the, you know, how it coincides with the real, real world, World War II type stuff. I'm a big fan. And I think that it, Scotty, Scotty being the second rendition of that and really actually kind of you know, the character development that came where she actually went a little crazy and started going for, you know, all this. I I really liked the the development where she where she ends up, and you know, she, the story's not over. You know, she's with these smiling guys at the end who are trying to save her, put her back together, and do things. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see where where she develops further. But I I I think Scotty was my favorite. Scotty doesn't. Know I call that. shenanigans. I think you <laughs> picking her it goes completely against every reason you didn't like the event because she was three panels worth of a character. She comes out of nowhere because nobody knew about her. Nobody knew the Red Skull had a daughter before this, and then she gets this godlike power, and then she's gone again. So that was a dumb pick, Brady. She <laughs> no. There's way more to it. She actually. You know, is the the driving force. She gets this godlike power. She's the one who's helping him. Him is in right. the serpent. Yeah, we thought that kind of developed. Bad, 
And then the serpent comes out of nowhere, like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. And then he's the actual big bad. And then she was the right hand. Yeah. She, like, so you got to think in what, which, which Avengers was it? The, the first one? She's the Loki. She's the, the in between for the big bad that's still causing the chaos and kind of setting it all up. And while there's no redemption for her at the end, which I kind of like better, she is starting, you know, she's a new character, a new person that could develop into something even bigger and better. And that's why I like, I like her as my character. Now, if uh, I had my first option, it'd be Steve Rogers. But, you know, if you're making me pick a second, yeah, there you go. Perfect. Well, that leaves me to take who I originally wanted as my. I'm going to go with the guy who summoned a god, Tony Stark. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't get a ton of, of Tony throughout this run other than that. But, um, you know, we get to see him summon Odin and basically give him the what for. And then he creates all of the badass Uru metal type things, which I don't know what Uru metal is exactly, but it's Asgardian something. <laughs> and it's pretty cool. And it gave Spider-Man the sickest costume ever. Sure. That's not a bad pick. Uh, definitely a good second pick. I feel like he was my number two for sure. But yeah, we see we see Tony do what he does best, which is he gets to thinking, and he's basically like, I don't want your help. I just need to use your workshop. That was a, that was a really cool line, and goes in there and crafts basically just like these unimaginable suits for the rest of his team to go out there and do what they needed to do. So very very cool. Plus again, yeah, we see a lot of cool character development with him. We see some humbling moments, some some come to God moments, pun intended. Uh, come, come to Odin moments. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I like it. I, I support that choice. Brady, your still sucks. <laughs> Agree to disagree as always, Bo. All right. Well, with that, I think it's, uh, I think it's time to sign off. Uh, any last parting uh, wisdoms from anybody? I think we got Avengers versus X-Men next. Go, go Avengers. Oh, so excited to reread this one. Especially with the background knowledge that I have now from these other events. So, yeah, definitely read along if you can, Avengers versus X-Men. Unless right. we're going to pivot and do that Avengers versus Pet Avengers thing that I sent you guys. I, I think we're going to skip that. I think we might skip <laughs> that. <laughs> All right. Until next week, everybody. Hope you have a great week. Sign it off. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Comics Over Coffee. Please be sure to join in again next Saturday morning for another exciting episode. If you have questions for the host or would like to be featured on an episode, please write in to comicsovercoffeepodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to my fellow co-hosts, Bo and Brady, and a very special shout-out to our artist, Emily Rich.